Amen. Hey, if you got your Bibles, come with me to uh, the gospel, oh, the gospel, the book of Genesis. Uh, the title of my message this morning is The Journey from Religion to God. The Journey from Religion to God. We're doing a series at the moment called Religion Rehab. And uh, normally I preach, normally I preach and uh, today's a teaching one, and I've got good news. This is the first time, I think in probably the last five years, that I actually got through my message in the 8.30 a.m. service. And that's just a, that's a miracle. Because I've got more points than a porcupine this morning, and somehow I got through it all. So I'm feeling pretty confident that I can do it again in the 10 a.m. service. But uh, I wanted to do a teaching this morning just so that you had clarity, so that you had understanding. And uh, because, you know, with every series that we do, they, they end up on the podcast list. So I want you to have uh, some armory that when you go onto the podcast, if anyone says, hey, what's the difference between, you know, religion and being a Christian, you can say, oh my gosh, there's a message on our podcast list that Pastor Jurgen preached called The Journey from Religion to God. The Journey from Religion to God. So let's start in the, in the Scripture, and then, uh, and then I'll explain it as we go. So in the book of Genesis chapter 4, it talks about the first two humans that were born, Cain and Abel. And, uh, and this is what it says in verse 3. It says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground, everyone say ground, of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Whenever you see something that is the first in the Bible, you need to understand that the first is always a prototype. And there's a law known as the law of first mentions. That the first time something is mentioned, it is indicative of a pattern. It is an example to us. So Adam and Eve were the first humans, but they weren't the first humans born. The Bible says that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed into Adam the breath of life. and Adam becomes a living being. Then we discover that God puts Adam asleep under a tree, removes a rib, and from that rib fashions the woman and brings him to Adam. So both man and woman were fashioned by the hand of God. But it was when Adam knew Eve, his wife, that she conceived. And the first humans to be born were Cain and Abel. The Bible says that it came to pass in the fullness of time that that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought a lamb, the firstborn lamb from the flock. The Bible says that, that God rejected Cain and his offering. And God accepted Abel and his offering. Now, a lot of people are going to be tweaked by that, as Pastor Becky so brilliantly said, like, God should just be happy with whatever we give him. Well, you need to understand that God, you know, unlike us, has a healthy (laughs) self-esteem. He's not seeing a shrink or a therapist or 
you know, God, God actually knows that He is God. He knows that He created the universe, the heavens and the earth. He set the solar system in perfect order, perfect balance, so planets don't collide in their daily orbit around the sun. He, 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 he knows that the earth is His and its fullness thereof. And He's trying to teach Cain something. He's trying to teach Cain and He's trying to teach Abel. And this is, this is so important that you get this. So if you skip back one chapter in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, a lot of people believe that God cursed man, that man is under a curse. But you need to understand that Genesis 1.28, God blessed Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful, multiply. And God doesn't one chapter later curse what he blesses. What God blesses, because God lives outside of time, God still blessed them even though they would transgress. God blessed them. So what God did was when Adam sinned, he said, cursed be the ground for your sake. Out of the sweat of your brow and out of the toil of your labor, the earth will yield to you its increase. Now fast forward. Genesis 4, Abel comes with an offering. And he presents the offering, the Bible says, of the fruit of the ground. In other words, he's making a statement to God, even though you cursed the ground, I believe that my engineer, I believe that my entrepreneur, I believe that my hard work, I believe that my toil, my labor, my works can, can balance the ledger. I believe that I can, through my human effort, create the righteousness that you're looking for. And God says, you need to go home and rethink your life. These are not the droids we're looking for. <laughs> Abel comes and Abel doesn't bring what he's produced. He didn't produce the lamb. He brought a lamb, a firstborn lamb, the first from the flock. And it was sacrificed because he was making a statement before God, no matter how hard I try, no matter what I do, I can never attain the righteousness of God. Now, you may say, well, hang on a minute. That's really unfair. How can any of us attain the righteousness of God? Well, you're already on the right track. See, when God made Adam and Eve in his image and in his likeness, they were already bearing the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. If you talk to the average person, you know, do you think you're going to heaven? We immediately say, well, you know, I, I helped a little old lady with her shopping bags. And that's a good thing. And, 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 and I'm not as bad as, as some of those guys I was watching on Crime Watch. <laughs> and that's good that you're not as bad as the people on Crime Watch. But, but you need to understand that heaven is, is a place of perfection. And no matter how hard you try, you can't in your strength produce the righteousness of God. So this is in the Bible for a reason because it shows us two streams that will flow in the earth. Two streams that will flow in the earth. The first stream is the stream of religion. When God sent Jesus in the world, He didn't send Jesus in the world to start another religion. In fact, He sent Jesus in, into the world so that all religion would have its end so that we could have relationship with God. It, it, it was a relationship that was severed that Jesus came to restore. Now, here's the thing. If you're thirsty, if you're dehydrated, you need to drink water. But you can say, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to eat all the cupcakes and donuts I can find. Well, that's fantastic. Knock yourself out, but you're dehydrated. You need a drink. No, no, not only that. I'm going to eat cupcakes. I'm going to eat donuts, but I'm, I'm also going to eat apple pie. I'm going to, eat, I'm going to throw apple pie in there as well. Well, that, that's fantastic. God bless you, but you're dehydrated. You need to drink water. You know, that's not all I'm going to do. That's not all I'm going to do. I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat as many uh, tacos that I can find. I'm going to eat tacos. I'm going to eat burrito. Well, you, you can't eat your way into hydration. Religion, religion tells you that you can work your way to salvation. You can work your way to right standing with God. You can't. You can't. No matter how hard I try, the world is full of religion. The world is full of religions. We have, you know, uh, you know, Tibetan monks in the in the Himalayas, and and they live these these ascetic lives. They live they, they live these monastic lives of self denial and meditation, and sitting on cold floors and meager existence, thinking that that somehow they can they can if they live this way that then they can attain perfection. You, you're eating pies, trying to hydrate. There are people in Eastern religions who are so austere that they will stand on one leg for days with cramps in their legs. And some of, them, some of the monks have you know, lifted up one arm and lifted up there till it is withered because all the, the blood that is drained and, and instead of pulling it down, have left it there for days so it becomes useless. They can't use it. Somehow thinking that, that God will now say, okay, well, now your sins are canceled. No matter what you do, you cannot through your suffering, through in the middle e medieval ages there was what was known as the flagellants and the flagellants would would literally go into the towns and would carry whips and swords and and clubs and they would beat themselves and beat each other to show that the, how remorseful they were for their sins and and they honestly felt like the more that they beat themselves and the more that they would suffer that somehow this would get them you know right standing with God and they would come and they would stand on poles you know until they collapsed and fell off and they would hit themselves and beat themselves. One story is told of a, a monk whose, whose leg had become uh, so infected that the wound was open and, and there, there, were, there were maggots in the, in the wound and one fell out and he picked it up and put it back in and says, feast on, on this you know, wicked flesh of mine. Somehow thinking that this would get right standing with God. You're, you're eating donuts trying to satiate a hydration issue. This, no matter how much you do over here, can't balance the ledger can't balance the ledger. So Abel shows us, and what's interesting is, I mean, God is brilliant. He is so brilliant because the name Abel comes from two Hebrew compounds, Ab, which is father, and El, which is God. And it shows that Father God will bring a lamb, an innocent lamb, to be sacrificed so that we could have right standing with God. The reason Jesus came the reason Jesus came wasn't to start another religion, but Jesus came so that the lamb could be sacrificed. Jesus could be sacrificed to cancel out all our sin, all our iniquity, all our unrighteousness. On the cross, the Bible says, he, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He was known as the second Adam or the last Adam. And on the cross, this sinless man, this perfect man died in your place and in my place. 
it was prophesied all the way back in Genesis 4. But today I want to jump into the journey of Simon Peter. He's my favorite disciple. Leanne says that the reason he's my favorite disciple is because I'm biased. She reckons I'm the most like him. She says, I'm always yapping, always talking, always putting my foot in my mouth. And, uh, and so she may be right, but I like Simon Peter. So I want to give you some, some uh, thoughts this morning. But the greatest battle has been trusting God's word, God's promise, or trying to work it out yourself. And I want you to know that religion is all about works. It's all about works. Do you know there are even what we call cults, Christian cults, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, and these ones are all about your works, that Jesus doesn't save you. It's Jesus and door knocking. It's Jesus and, pro Jesus and, no, no, you are saved, Jesus full stop. It's not Jesus and keep the law. It's not Jesus and keep the Sabbath. It's not Jesus and obey. It's not, it's, it's not Jesus and, it's just Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish. So that, the, a cult will always tell you Jesus isn't enough. It's a lie of the devil. The devil is a liar. He wants you to believe that, well, what, what God did with Jesus on the cross, no, no, it's not quite enough. You've got to add to that because the devil wants you to live exhausted. I found that life is challenging enough. Life is difficult enough. Just trying to be a, a husband, just trying to pay bills, just trying to you know, stay ahead, just trying to uh, look after kids and family and, and balance all of those things and all the negative you know, flat tires and you know, CV joints that go and head gaskets and you know, all the issues that, that, that go down. To add on top of that religious do's and religious don'ts and duty, fooey to all of that. God came to spare you of all of that. God came to spare you. So there's a battle between the word, which is rooted in God's promises, and works. And so let's have a look at Simon Peter. So Simon Peter, his first encounter with Jesus is found in Luke 5. In Luke 5, the Bible says Jesus comes down. Crowds are already following because of his teaching. And he sees two boats. And he hops into one of them, which belonged to Simon Peter. And he says to Simon, hey, launch out and let, let, let me preach. And so the next minute, Simon is rowing offshore. And all his buddies are like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I don't know, this guy. And so Jesus is teaching. The Bible says when Jesus finished teaching, he says to Simon, Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon Peter answers him and says, Master, we have toiled all night. We have toiled all night. Isn't that interesting? In Genesis, cursed be the ground out of the sweat of your brow and out of the toil of your... Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Watch this. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. At thy word, I will let down the net. In their toil, they came up empty-handed. In their toil, in their labor, in their striving, in their stressing, they came up empty-handed. But Simon Peter says, man, even though I'm a fisherman and you're a carpenter's son... There's something about your word that is igniting faith on the inside of me. And so I'm going to bend my will towards your word. I'm not there yet. Jesus, you said let down the nets for a great catch. I've been listening to your word and it's producing faith. I, I'm not at nets faith. I'm just at net faith. So the Bible says Simon Peter threw in a net. 
Jesus said nets because he knew what he was bringing in, but he didn't have nets faith. So he threw in a net. The Bible says with one net in the water, so many fish filled the net. The net began to break. It was hemorrhaging fish so that they filled the boat and had to signal their partners. They filled both the boats till they began to sink. And Peter fell on his knees and said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. In other words, I'm putting you into the ministry. So Peter there learns that the human effort, that human effort toiling always bows its knee to the Word of God, that the Word is supreme over all of that. Then in Mark chapter 4, verse 39, 41, now these are three lessons Simon Peter learns on the sea. Simon Peter learns this on the sea. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus says to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. So the disciples get the boat ready. It's evening time. And they're about to launch out. And what they didn't study was the weather maps, the weather charts. They didn't go onto the weather channel. Because if they would have gone on the weather channel, they would have to tell Jesus, hey, there's a massive storm coming. Let's leave it till tomorrow. But they launch out and they're halfway across the Sea of Galilee when the giant windstorm arises and the waves begin to beat in the boat. And 12 disciples are furiously trying to bail the water out. But they, they are not able to get more water out than is coming in and the boat is beginning to sink. The Bible says in the Gospel of Luke that they were in jeopardy of drowning. And they look and there is Jesus asleep on the stern. How many people have ever been like that? You are sinking and you're like, where is God? And he's asleep at the wheel in the middle of your crisis. He's asleep on the stern in the middle of your trench. You're going under and he's asleep. So they come and they wake him. Master, teacher, don't you care? We're drowning here. Pick up a bucket. So they are trying to save themselves. They're trying to save themselves. And absolutely, they're doing everything they can, but they cannot displace enough water. More water is coming in than they can get out. So watch what Jesus does. He doesn't pick up a bucket. He stands, the Bible says, on the stern and speaks to the wind and speaks to the sea and says, peace, be still. And immediately, so much so that the disciples, the Bible says, were terrified. Because as soon as he said, peace, be still, and they said to one another, who is this? Who is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus was trying to show again that his word is preeminent over our works trying to save ourselves. Second lesson for Peter. The third lesson for Simon Peter is found in Matthew 14, verse 28. It's in the other gospels as well, but I, I love it from Matthew. In Matthew 14, Jesus just finished feeding the 5,000 and preaching and everything. And, and, uh, and then he s dismisses the disciples. He says, you know, go across the other side. And uh, they're like, well, how are you going to get there? He goes, don't even worry about it. You know, I, I've got a way. But Uber's not invented. Doesn't matter. Just, just go. So they go and he goes up onto the mountain to pray. The Bible says about the third or the fourth watch in the, in the, the morning, Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. The Bible says that they were on the, on the sea, but because the wind was contrary, they were straining at the oars. You know, they, 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 they're trying to row into a wind that keeps pushing them back. And so it's cumbersome. It's laborsome. And, so they're, they're, and then all of a sudden the Bible says Jesus comes walking to them on the sea and they freak out. It's a ghost! Ah! 
because, you know, if you've watched Sesame Street, you'll recognize that humans can't walk on water. And so they're like, man, it's a ghost. And she's like, guys, I'm not a ghost. It's me. Simon Peter, watch this. And this is what I love about Simon Peter. He's like, hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. First lesson in the boat, you said, let down your nets, and there was a massive catch. Second lesson in the boat, you said, peace be still, and everything ceased. Eleven disciples are sitting in the boat. It's not a ghost, it's Jesus. But one disciple wasn't content to just be calmed. He was compelled. He said, all right, Lord, if it really is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. Simon Peter knew that's all he needed. He gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the sea to Jesus. But the Bible says because the, the, the wind was boisterous and the waves, when he began to see the wind and the waves, his head got engaged and he thought, hang on a minute. Humans can't walk on. And he began to sink. And so Jesus, Bible says, immediately grabs him. I mean, what a picture of Jesus right there. Jesus immediately grabs him. Jesus doesn't stand back and say, oh, you're drowning here. Good, some good you were. You're down, I'm drowning. No, he didn't. Jesus immediately grabs him, picks him up and looks at him and says, oh, why did you doubt you have little faith? Come on, you little sport. And, you know, and the two of them walk together and they get back in the boat. Simon Peter learns the preeminence of the word. They were straining at the oars. The Bible says when they got in the boat, immediately they were at the other shore. There's a difference between works and word. The word will produce in your life what human works can't. The word will produce in your life what human works can't. We are a word church. We're a word church. When you wait on the word of God, when the word of God comes to you, I'm telling you, heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my word endures forever. Jesus took the devil on three times. In the desert, the wilderness, the devil came after Jesus and three times Jesus whooped him. How did he whoop him? It is written, word of God. It is written, word of God. It is written, word of God. The devil has no answer against the word of God. Whatever crises you're going through, whatever you're walking through, Go to the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit. Do you know He's your helper? Did you know that? We, we, we don't serve a, a religion or a God who, you know, Jesus, now He sits at the right hand of God. And, you know, one day we're going to be with you up there. No, Jesus, when I, when I get to heaven, it's important that I get there because when I get there, I'm going to tag. You, you know, when you watch the, the WWF and, you know, and they, they tag the guy and the other guy gets in and starts beating up on the guy. Was You know, that's what Jesus did. He says, when I get to heaven, tag. And the Holy Ghost, third person of the Trinity, he's going to come down. Jesus says, I had to come down one person, in, in God, in one place, in a human body. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to be like me, but with every single one of you. He's not going to be limited to a human body. He's not going to be limited. And he says, it's to your advantage that I go so that I can send the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost came. And you know what he does as your helper? He will take from the Father. He will take from Jesus and quicken it to you. 
every crisis that I've ever gone through, everything that I've ever gone through, all I know, I've just got to go and hear from God. And the Holy Spirit is so quick, He'll go to the Father and He'll bring you a word and you can begin to fight from that word. The word already has the DNA of victory on the inside of it. We use the word of God to fight for victory, but also to, to from victory. It's the craziest thing because it's an eternal word. So the word has told me that by His stripes I am healed, even when the doctors have given me this diagnosis. But I know, I know that God is not a man that He should lie so therefore I am healed so I I go from victory to victory so watch this so Simon Peter learns these lessons but at the same time this is overlaid by, by Simon still struggling with his with his flesh so in the gospel of Mark chapter 14 in the gospel of Mark chapter 14 27 to 31 it's really interesting Jesus says to the disciples he says listen the the time of my betrayal is at hand my betrayer is coming. All the things that are written of me in the scriptures are about to be fulfilled. I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles. They're going to mock me. They're going to scourge me, whip me, beat me. And then I'm going to be crucified. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again from the dead. He says, and tonight the scripture will be fulfilled. Strike the, the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. He says, tonight I'm going to be struck and all of you will leave me. He says, you'll leave me all alone, but I'm never alone. The Father's always with me. Well, Simon Peter pipes up and says, hang on, whoa, 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 <laughs> slow down there, Jesus. You need to understand Peter the Rock. These other scallywags, these lamos may deny you, but not me. Not me. I'm ready to die with you. And Jesus says, Simon, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he gets indignant. He says, even if these other losers... Scatter, I won't. I'm ready to go to death with you. In his own strength, in his own motivation, Peter thought, man, I'm pumped. I'm motivated. I just walked on hot coals. I don't know, unleash the giant within seminar. I'm ready to go. I ain't. And you know the story. Before the rooster crows twice, he denies Jesus three times. Peter realizes no matter how pumped, how motivated, no matter how strong I am, in my, nowhere does the Bible say have faith in yourself. The Bible says, have faith in God. Nowhere does the Bible say, be strong in yourself. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of, come on somebody, in the power of His might. Nowhere does it say, be strong in yourself in the power of your might. But Simon, again, was putting his trust in, I'm pumped right now, my motivation right now, I'll never sin again, I'll, I'll follow you even unto death. And then he realizes, no, 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 the Word is going to prevail and my human strength is going to fail. And the Bible says when he denied Jesus the third time, the rooster crows. And the Bible says that he could see Jesus in the courtyard. And at that moment, Jesus looked at him. And when his eyes caught the eyes of Jesus, he went out and began to weep bitterly. Began to weep bitterly. The second time is now Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Judas comes with, you know, torches and he's got a whole band of people ready to arrest him. And he says, the one that I kiss, that's the one. And he comes up, Rabbi. Jesus is so awesome. Jesus just looks at him and says, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss? Are you kidding me? Friend, do what you've come to do. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being Judas? For the equivalent of, equivalent of about $6,500, you're going to betray Jesus, 6500 bucks, And then he looks you in the eye and still calls you friend. Golly. 
So they arrest Jesus. As they're arresting Jesus, Simon Peter grabs a sword and hacks off the right ear of the high priest's servant. Now, a lot of people think, you know, he's going for the head and missed. Peter went for the ear. The reason he went for the ear is because the right ear is anointed. The three things of the, the high priest and the, the, anyone in priestly duty, they, they would anoint the right ear, the right thumb, and the right toe on the foot. Because it's through the ear that the words, that words are correctly discerned. Through the hearing of the ear, we do, and because their job is to correctly discern the word of heaven, they, the high priest's ear would be anointed with, with blood and then with oil. They, they would, because they need, and so he's saying, you can't discern the freaking word of God because you're crucifying right now. So I'm going to take your ear off so you can't. And so Jesus is like, Simon, put your sword away. Those who live by the sword, die by the sword. Excuse me. And he puts the ear back on. Oh, sorry, it's upside down. Hang on. There you go. That looks better that way. And so Simon Peter is trying, trying to think that somehow with my zeal and with a weaponized arm, I can fulfill the will of God. And Jesus says, Simon, your swords, your weaponized, your, 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 your zeal can't fulfill the will of God. This, this is what is written. This is how it has to happen. The word prevails even over your, your strength and your resistance. The third one for, for, for Simon Peter, and this is, this is the real big one, is in John 21. In John 21 verse 7, the Bible says that uh, Jesus is now risen from the dead. The disciples have heard rumors that Jesus is not there. Simon Peter even got to the tomb and found the tomb empty. But he comes back and, and they're quite forlorn because we, we saw him crucified. We saw them wrap his body. We saw them put in a tomb. We saw the soldiers standing there. But when we got there, the stone was rolled away. The soldiers had fainted and fled and the tomb was empty. So Simon says, I'm going fishing. All right, this is weird. So again, he's fished all night, caught nothing. Deja vu. And then there's a figure on the beach this time. And he says, children, have you caught any fish? They're like, no, nothing. Fishing all night, caught nothing. He says, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. Like, who is this guy? And one of the disciples goes, I think it's the Lord. So they get the fish, or the net, and they throw it on the other side. And and Simon Peter immediately realizes, but watch what he does. It says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loves, this is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and plunged into the sea. How many people put a jacket on when you're going swimming? Nobody. You don't put on your outer garment. In fact, the outer garment's already off. Now, you'd probably take your shirt off, you know, just down to your trunks. Simon Peter puts on his outer garment because he's like, man, I just denied Jesus three times, even though he said I wouldn't. But I want to show Jesus I still got it. I'm still his water walker. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to balance the ledge. I'm going to show him that you can still trust me, Jesus. I'm still your water walker. So he puts on his outer garment and he jumps thinking and he just plunges in, swims to the shore dripping wet. And Jesus is already cooking fish. I don't even need, I've got fish here for you. Like, oh man, it's like you don't even need anything. I love what you bring. Bring some of the fish that you've got, but I've already got, I've got everything you need. And then he says, Simon, do you love me? Simon Peter, dripping wet, realizes the frailty 
of his own failures. Jesus didn't say, Simon, can you keep the Ten Commandments? Simon, can you pray a little longer? Simon, can you put in a little more effort? Simon, can you finally get this water and walk a thing? You did it once before, now you failed. Look at you. Drip. Jesus just said, Simon, do you love me? He says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, just feed my sheep. Do you love me? And someone's like, dude, you know I love you. Tend my sheep. And then the Bible says he asked him a third time. Why did he ask him a third time? Because Peter betrayed him three times. And Jesus just trying to show, hey, hey, the betrayal, you need to understand it's because you put your trust in human effort. Don't put your trust there. The number one thing, Simon, the most important thing is being in love with Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said? If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You know the difference between a good husband and a bad husband? A bad husband stopped loving his wife. I love my Leanne. Date night, easy, because I love her. I love spoiling her. I even, well, I don't say, I, I'd be lying if I said I love taking a beating when I realize she's right and I'm wrong. When I married her, I, I didn't realize I was marrying Miss Wright. I didn't realize her first name was always. But, but because I love her, I know that if she has to challenge me and correct me on something, I can hear it because I know she loves me. And I know that nothing says to her that I love her enough to even hear things that I don't want to hear that sometimes are humiliating. Jesus saying, Simon, You've tried to do all this for me. I'm not asking you to do that. The most important thing, and he asked him a third time, do you love me? Simon was a little bit upset. He's like, Lord, you know everything. You even know my heart. You know that I love you. And he says, yeah. I'm just saying it because I need you to understand all that I'm asking of you is just love me. In the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, it says you've lost or you've left your first love. Return to your first love. The biggest battle in this life is just loving Jesus. Do you know why I love our worship? Because we, we, we sing songs that, that generate an opportunity to, for you to fall in love with Jesus. Worship is the romance portion of your relationship with God. I find that as I'm singing in worship, your love, your love, I fall in love with God again fall in love with God again. That's why it's so important to be in church. But let me show you the three outcomes. So Peter has three encounters with the Word of God, and then he has three big fails with his works. So watch what happens. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, Acts 1-8, till you receive power. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, bam, the Holy Ghost falls. When the Holy Ghost falls, they begin to speak in languages they've never learned. And the Bible says there were, um, you know, Perithians, and there were um, people from Greece and Macedonia and Bithynians and all these people from all over who were gathered at that particular time. And they heard the disciples declaring the wonderful works of God in their own native tongue. And they're scratching their heads saying, man, aren't these Galileans? How is it we hear them preaching the things of God in our own language? And then Simon Peter stood up and he preached. This is what was written by the prophet Joel. And, and 3,000 people got saved. Peter understood, man, it's not by might nor by power, but by thy spirit, says the Lord. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, the next chapter, Acts chapter 3, the Bible says they're going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And here was a beggar. For the last 40 years, the Bible says, he was over 40 years old, 
daily they would lay him at the gate of the temple called beautiful daily which meant that Jesus saw him and walked past him why didn't Jesus heal him he did but not yet he was going to do it through Simon why didn't Jesus he, he did just not yet he was living you know what I'm going to leave you for my my posse after I go so Simon Peter walks past with John and they see and he lifts up his cup wanting to get a donation and, and he says man I didn't bring my wallet but you know what I do have something with me what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and he grabs him and he rips him up and immediately his ankle and he begins to leap and jump and praise and go into the temple so that everybody marveled when everybody marveled the Bible says they all came to him and have a look what they said what, what Simon Peter says to them in, in Acts 3, uh, 16, he says, listen, he says, do not think that it is by our, our own godliness or our own righteousness, our power that we did this, but it is the power that is in the name of Jesus. In other words, he's trying to say, hey, this guy didn't get healed because of my religion. This guy didn't get healed because of my religious efforts. This guy got healed by faith in the power of God. He, Peter understood it's the power of God. It's the power of God on you and the power of God in you. See, what religion tries to do, it gets you doing all this kind of works, thinking that somehow you can balance the ledger or you can earn an anointing. No, no, that anointing comes through faith. The last one as we finish is in Acts chapter 5, 15. Acts 5, 15. Jesus said this to the disciples. He says, listen, it's to your advantage that I go to heaven. They're like, how, how, how is that to our advantage? He says, unless I go, I can't send the Holy Ghost. But when I come, He'll be with you. The, the works that I did, you'll do those works. You'll do even greater works than these when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the Bible says in Acts 15 that because of how busy Peter was, you know, apostling, apostling here and apostling there and, you know, like trying to get the church going, he was so busy, he couldn't visit with every home. He couldn't kind of go to every hospital bed and pray with everybody. So the Bible knew how busy he was. So the Bible says all the people would come and they would lay their sick and their lame and their blind and their crippled. They would lay them on mats in the street so that even Peter's shadow falling on them would heal them. Jesus' shadow never healed anybody. But because Simon Peter moved from religion, works, to faith in the Word, an anointing that he carried was so prolific, was so powerful, that just his shadow falling on people began to heal them. In the, uh, the mid-90s, there was a very, very powerful move of God that, that swept the churches. And I'll never forget being in a, in a meeting with this man of God and and, uh, and it, it was the holy laughter thing where people just start laughing. It was like God was bringing joy back to the church. And I remember I'm sitting there and people in front, and people beside and people be, you know, behind me are laughing and I ain't getting jack. And I was so into, I was so, you know, I was in the, uh, the almost of uh, the assemblies of God. And, uh, and that was naughty, I know. And, uh, but I, I couldn't break through. And then all of a sudden I had my eyes closed and I'm praying. And then all of a sudden I felt something, something shifted. And I began to find this joy and I began to laugh. And when I opened my eyes, I looked and the minister was standing in the aisle and his shadow was on me. And I felt the anointing just from the shadow of this man of God. The only thing that had changed was 
he walked there and he was under this incredible anointing and people were getting healed people were getting delivered people were getting set free there was a young girl who had lived with such shame such guilt and condemnation and so he ministers to her she starts laughing crying and laughing at the same time it's like this you know duplicity thing going on and she sees a vision of two little girls two little girls and they're about seven years old and she sees a vision of Jesus and these angels and then these two little girls come running up and they said to her mommy 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 and then she kind of comes to and then she realizes that all the guilt and all the shame that she'd been living with because seven years earlier she'd had an abortion and after the abortion they told her that she had twins that she'd aborted twins, twin girls, and she just lived with such regret and remorse. And all of a sudden, just in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit shows her a glimpse of heaven that her two little babies, the murdered here on earth, were immediately taken into the presence of Jesus. No animosity, just joy, mummy, mummy. We can't wait to see you. We're in heaven. What religion can't do, friend, Jesus didn't die to make you religious. He died to make you His. He didn't die so that He could start another religion. He died so you could be part of His family. So you could be part of His family. I've got to finish. I've got to finish. Jesus died on the cross. He is the Lamb sacrificed. In the, uh, the ancient Chinese, the ancient Chinese language, and this is a little naughty hobby of mine. And the reason I say naughty is because Leanne reckons I get on tangents, but she's not here right now. So the ancient Chinese language goes back at least 4,500 years, at least 4,500 years. It's one of the oldest unbroken languages. It's not the oldest language in the world. Sanskrit Sumerian is older, but because it's been conquered and devastated many of the times the language, but because of the Great Wall of China, its proximity and its uh, exclusivity, China has never been conquered, never been vanquished. So it has 4,500 years of unbroken language. Moses wrote the book of Genesis at approximately 1800 BC. The Chinese language has been in existence since at least 2500 BC. So there's 700 years between the Chinese language and when Moses wrote Genesis. In the ancient Chinese language, because things were passed down, they knew of Cain and Abel. But the ancient Chinese language has a word for righteousness. And the word for righteousness is two pictures, two symbols. It is a lamb over a man but it's not just a lamb over a man it is a lamb over a man that has to be sacrificed and its blood shed this is 700 years before Moses wrote Genesis because they knew of the law of first mentions they knew of Cain and Abel because it was passed down through the lineage of Japheth I want you to know the reason Jesus died was so that he could be the lamb slain over the man that it provides a covering for you so that when God sees you he doesn't see your sin your guilt your shame your iniquity all he sees is the blood of Jesus has washed has atoned has cleansed you from all unrighteousness would you close your eyes as we come to a close today maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus friend that's why you're here today 
Maybe, maybe you've never heard this message. Maybe you've been trying to be religious and trying to earn your way to heaven and do good things. And you know what? That's not a bad thing, but I want to relieve you today from all that stress and all that striving. I want you to know today that Jesus died on the cross and His perfect sacrifice washes you and cleanses you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.